Welcome back to Stall Warning, a show talking all things lacrosse. I'm your host, Panchito Ojeda. And joining me today is Northern California Director of 101 Lacrosse, John Murray. Coach, how you doing? Good. It's, uh, it's been a while since I was invited on one of these. Dude, we have been on a hiatus. We haven't published a podcast for like two and a half weeks. Uh, I was deep in the draws of Vimeo. Yeah, the deep dive. It was a deep dive, a deep dive. But, you know, anyways, it's uh, we're back and we're, we're talking. We're here. We're basically live. Hopefully we don't mess up any of our recording here. No swear words, John. No swear words. Mm. Keeping it clean for the kids. Have, yeah, I don't have a deep button. Dude, how have you been? Busy. Busy. So we've been uh, out at 101 practicing four days a week. That's two days a week for the boys, two days a week for the girls out here trying to do our best in this COVID world with social distancing and practicing together. So our practice plans have been a little bare bones, keeping it no contact, keeping it clean, keeping it safe. Um, But I'm pulling hairs out trying to get these practice plans together and interesting with uh, no contact. It's tough. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's obviously a challenge for everybody, but it's cool to see that we're out there. You know, I'm, I'm excited. You know, it's it's tough. I think it's tough for parents and players and everybody to try and figure out exactly what they, you know, should do. There are so many questions up in the air, and gosh, man, the news is just yeah. Scarier. We've been we've been pretty supportive of any family. You know, if they're not feeling comfortable, you know, there's there's almost nothing we could say or do to change their mind on it. But just keep plugging away at what we think is best. Um, but yeah, we've had we've had a few situations. Yeah, no, it's good. I'm glad that we're taking that stance. You know, it's uh, let's be safe. Let's make decisions that are in the best long-term interest of the health of our players, our families, our coaches, and uh, and let's let's get on the field as fast as we can, but as slow as we have to. You know, out here in Virginia, I am getting ready to start having practices again. It's I cannot wait. I uh, I was supposed to coach last night. Uh, today's Thursday, right? Yeah. No, on on Wednesday night, and. My son was going to come with me. It was his first practice ever. I was so pumped. I, I literally was like, I ate my dinner. I was ready to leave at like 5.45 and I didn't have to leave till like 6.30. You never brought him <laughs> to a practice before? Well, no. He was first practice where he was going to participate because it was KP2. Oh, yeah. He's going to play. Yeah, he's going to play. So, you know, I'm so fired up. We ate dinner. We're like sitting there waiting around and then they had to cancel for thunderstorms. I was ah. like, gosh, it's California weather right now. I know. What have you pigeonholed him into playing? Is he going to be a star attackman, two way midi, taking well, face offs already? Well, uh, little known fact: Jokey is a, a lefty, Ooh. so he has to be an attackman, right? Has to be. <laughs> Got to start uh, earning that scholarship now. That's right. That's right. I I, I sent him to I sent him uh, or I had him send an email to Petra already about you know what I'm going to do. Start getting those uh, highlight tapes ready. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, you know, I did get a new drone. And, uh, you know, I tried to take some video of him playing. He's He loves baseball, too, which is like, you know, I guess heartbreaking, but not. And uh, <laughs> uh, we took some video of him doing the uh, his baseball stuff with the drone. Mm-hmm. It was interesting to, to see how that stuff worked. But it was cool. It was fun. So, um. But hey, let's let's talk lacrosse. You know, my son is exciting, but let's talk about lacrosse. Dude, a ton has happened uh, since we last spoke. Uh, probably the the hottest thing right now is the uh, 
Iroquois National situation with the 2022 World Games where they are being excluded, both the men and the women. And, uh, you know, let's let's talk about that a little bit in kind of light of today's world. Yeah, I thought? mean, we, we had this listed in our show notes as a debacle. So I think that's it's just a real bad mishandling of this situation. I mean, it, the Iroquois National team, they might be the third most talented team. I think Team USA and Team Canada have kind of surpassed them a little bit. But they might be the most entertaining team to watch. Like in all, all lacrosse. Like Iroquois National Team Lacrosse is must watch lacrosse. Um, Because you're guaranteed to see something you've never seen before in that game. Um, So to have them excluded, especially like given that, you know, they kind of founded the sport. They're um, involved in the history of the game. Uh, The best player in the world plays for their team. Um, To not have them in the world games is a bad decision, whoever decided that. Yeah, you know, I've... uh... I've read a lot about this on social media. Actually, I want to give a plug here to at the Kyle Devitt, but he had a really good uh, uh, newsletter he sent out on his lacrosse newsletter. If you're not subscribed to that, check it out. I I think he writes some good stuff. Uh, But anyways, one of the cool things or not cool things, one of the things that I've noticed about this is like, you know, obviously they founded the game that, you know, the Iroquois did and the Native Americans. And obviously, they have some of the best players in the world. But regardless of all that, like and Kyle put this in his, his letters, like by not allowing them in, we're basically saying you're not a nation. And I think that that is just, that's a travesty. You know, in, in today's age where we're, you know, discussing social rights and we're talking about our social justice and, and individual rights and people's rights as a, as a race and stuff like that, like this is just feeding right into some of that, that garbage. And it's like let's let's not do that. They're their nation. They're clearly a key, clearly a key part of the lacrosse world and lacrosse community, and they should be able to compete. Both the men and the women. You know, everyone's talking about the men and how good they are, but you know, the women are being equally screwed here. And so, you know, hopefully, our the World Games people can come together and find a resolution that will work, and and they can realize that they need to treat the Native Americans as equals. You know, yeah. they're not, you know, they, they matter and, uh, and they're vital to the growth of our game. And if they can't, does lacrosse need to take a stand as a, as a, as a sport? You know, how do we approach this? Yeah. I'm really hoping, uh, the big figures and the big movers, and we've seen some of them already. I saw a tweet from Mike Rabel, CEO of the PLL stand in solidarity with the, um, Iroquois national team. Um, there's a change uh, petition going on right now. Um, I've signed it already. I'm sure we can link that in our social channels to get that out to everyone to get them in the in the games. I think it's got like 13,000 signatures already. But um, yeah, hopefully, I really want to see the big big names step up, voice their opinion, because um, I'm pretty sure everyone is on the same page with this in the lacrosse community that they need to be a part of the games. Yeah, and this is one of those times where, you know, silence is not an acceptable situation. You have to act. You have to be willing to speak up and you have to be willing to, you know, be uncomfortable and be in a situation where it feels a little bit awkward. Um, and it's okay because the reality is you're supporting equality across all nations, across all people. And I think this is a no brainer. Um, and hopefully anyone who's listening to this will will pass that message on to to 
you know, they're friends and they're lacrosse folk, folks, and we can get that petition up to 20,000 or 30,000. That'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, so moving on from that, you know, I think something else, uh, obviously COVID's changed a lot of things and that was a topic that wasn't even related to it, but, you know, COVID has, has sent the uh, college sports and high school sports into a whirlwind. Uh, you've seen a million different, uh, decisions on what's happening. I know here in Virginia, the VHSL is still contemplating a few options. I don't know if they've finalized that yet or not, but you know, we are based out of Northern California and, and we've been there for a long time. And so we wanted to talk about a little bit about the, what's happened with the CIF, which is the California Interscholastic Federation. And in particular, the NCS, which is the North Coast section. Um, and what's been decided there in terms of high school sports for the pending 2020 2021 school year and john you've got this thing dialed so i'll let you take it from here yeah so um in light of the covid stuff they've decided to push all sports back so generally what the the thought among a lot of the coaches i've been talking to was they were going to condense the three seasons of sport to the second semester so you're you would still have a fall winter and spring season um but the cif went a different direction in in that and they combined winter and spring. So there's only two seasons next year. There would be a fall and a second season, which would be a com- combination of uh, winter and spring, which has a whole ton of issues that everyone's still trying to figure out. It's going to put a lot of pressure on a lot of schools. Um, I coach at Justin Siena in Napa. We're a school of 550 students with um, – our athletic director was going through the numbers. Sixty to seventy percent of our athletes are multi-sport athletes, so having them have to pick and choose where they're going to play in the spring is really tough. On top of the facility using usage just being crazy floodgated, um, so it seems like the CIF ruled that. They're going to put football a little bit ahead of the other sports because the football is kind of untouched. They start December 14th um, and end around – trying to pull up the date. They end on April 16th, 17th. Yeah, that would be their uh, state championship game. But most teams will be going th- through March uh, 20th, which would be the first week of lacrosse with lacrosse starting out here March 15th. Um, uh, another ruling I found out last night from our school meeting is that students can now participate in two sports in a season. So I, I'm not sure how that's going to affect the fall, but the spring, if you have a player who's a basketball player and lacrosse player or who wrestles and plays lacrosse, that's going to really impact those kids because they, they can do both. Um, so we were talking a little bit before on the advantages and disadvantages of that. I'm happy for it because I'm such a small school where I can't play my season to its fullest if I have kids um, not playing both sports at the same time. If they have to choose, I'm super worried they won't choose lacrosse. I have to put on my recruiting hat and make sure these guys choose lacrosse. But um, I think it's better for the student-athlete. It helps them with growth in both games um, because taking a year off – uh, from one of your sports could be really detrimental to you and being able to at least play in both sports really helps. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, just from a, I have a couple of thoughts on this. I mean, the first is I don't love the two sports in one season. I mean, I get the why, 
Uh, you know, it's obviously, I think you're right that players, it's going to be tough for them to choose and, and to be able to do both would be ideal. But I think what's going to end up happening is they're just going to do mediocrity at both of them because there's, how can you be a good basketball player? How can you be a starting point guard for a basketball team and a starting ex attackman for a lacrosse team? I don't see how you can do that successfully. You know, I mean, maybe as an individual, sure, but like, how are you going to get to that flow with your teammates and have that chemistry and the camaraderie, which is what drives sports more than anything else? And, uh, you know, championships are not founded off of just talent, they're founded off of, of teamwork. And I think this will just, this is going to, I think this is going to grind at that, in my opinion. Um, and I think it's going to be hard to hard to navigate that for coaches. I mean, what are you going to do when you know your best attackman, all who also plays basketball, has to miss three practices per week and can only make games because he's got basketball games the other days? Yeah, it's it's it's, it's just a nightmare. Yeah. Um, it sucks. It sucks for everybody. I mean, and I, it sucks for coaches. I think it sucks for players. It sucks for parents. You know, it's just, I don't know. I, the, I guess a good part for players, right, is they're probably going to get to compete more days than practice. So they'll they'll have more fun in that regard. Yeah. But I don't think it makes them better. So they have 18 hours of athletics they can participate in each week. So they have to, one, the coaches have to be really good about communicating with their athletic director and their other coaches. So, like, I have to be in contact with our basketball coach because I have a few overlap there and how much these guys are playing when they're practicing. So we don't go over that if we play an ineligible player because he's practiced too much. Like that's, that's an issue um, in that. But another thing is the facility usage. Um, the spring is the, the hardest time for facilities because it, it's the rainy season out here. Um, right. And I know like, Justin, our JV baseball field is like our go-to grass field. But if it rains, you know, in Tahoe, it floods our JV baseball field, um, which makes it completely unusable. Um, so with soccer going on, boys and girls, we have girls lacrosse going on. We have baseball, softball, um, basketball will be going on in the gym. So we will have no gym space. Tennis will be on the tennis courts. It's going to be a nightmare. And then when soccer starts playing games, girls cross starts playing games, we start playing games, track has track meets. Um, and then the spring musical, which is a huge thing at Justin, we have to plan for that. It's going to be it's going to be tough. I'm not looking forward to it. No. I'm looking no. forward to it, but I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, on the boys' side, is just one part. You know, I mean, I-, I can tell you right now, if I'm a girls' coach, I'm not happy at all about this for a lot of reasons, but the most, the biggest reason is because probably 80% of girls lacrosse players are also girls soccer players. And that's just, that is so unfair to those young ladies that they are being forced to choose or, or potentially play both and be mediocre at both of their two favorite sports. I, I yeah, I, I, I know the bureaucrats are trying to do their best. Like, I, I get it. I don't want to criticize them for trying to come up with a plan. I think they're in an impossible situation. There's no plan that's going to satisfy everyone. But I do think there's a couple of things they could have done differently to make life a little easier. Yeah. Like, you know, move soccer to the fall group so there's the least amount of overlap. You know, that's going to help girls lacrosse for sure. And, you know, it's probably going to help boys lacrosse. It eases some of the field uses issues. Um, and then you just have to let 
you know, basketball and lacrosse are just going to have to compete in that spring. I don't, I don't see any way around that. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that at least helps with facility usage. Yeah. You know, and, and I just think it makes sense. But, you know, nobody wants to go against the almighty football. And, you know, I'm, I'm not – I like football, but over the years I've – it's just becoming a thing where I'm like, this is unfortunate. It's really – it's really negative imp- negatively impacting players, their ability to do other sports. And I think that's the part that bothers me. It has no issue with like football itself. It's players need to have opportunities to do other sports. Uh, we don't need to, you know, kneel at the of the feet of the football gods. We just need to be, you know, fair to our athletes and re- let them choose what they want. Is is soccer being the winner a California thing, or is that in other states? Because in New in New Jersey, where I grew up, soccer was in the fall. Soccer was the so, same time as football. So when I played in Virginia, it was soccer was a fall sport, but it has been moved to a spring sport. And so, and here in Virginia, I know that's a big topic that they're worried about the same thing that's going to happen in California, particularly on the girls' side, because all the girls play soccer and lacrosse. Those are, you know, those are two very popular combinations. So. Um, I don't know what they're going to do. I think I think girls lacrosse is going to take a huge blow at the high school level with this, and it's it's it makes me so upset. I was talking with a coach yesterday, or no, uh, a couple days ago, and she was uh, she coached at a local college around here, and and she was talking about this, and she's like, yeah, it's just she's like every every girl I knew growing up played soccer and lacrosse. That's what we did, and like she's like, this can't be good for for lacrosse. So, yeah. you know, I mean, I get it. CAF had to make a decision, but. I think they could have done a better job of, of laying this out to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just just going to touch up on a few more things. They announced um, the summer uh, season has been expanded to December 14th. So the summer season in California is a dead period. The only rule is there are no rules in the summer. Um, and then players will be able to play for their club teams uh, during the school season. So, which I don't think will create any issues with lacrosse. I think the one thing I respect about all clubs out here is they generally leave the spring season alone. Uh, but I know that might bring up issues for soccer or basketball with playing during their season. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I wonder if that becomes the the step that people have that make to kind of move to that travel, travel in season travel ball. At the high school level, that would be a, that'd be a bummer. I, I like I like kids playing for their high school. I think it's cool. I think it creates good town pride. But yeah, um, well, that's good stuff. Uh, obviously, we have some some serious opinions on that. Uh, let's let's move on to the next next topic, though. Uh, we have a few things in front of us. We're going to talk about two more today, and then we'll hit the MLL and the PLL a little bit later, uh, whether it be tomorrow or uh, early next week. But the first one we're going to do is the face-off news. Uh, I'm sure most of you saw that the NCAA oversight rules people, uh, whatever the committee, whatever it is, they have officially approved the standing neutral grip only. Uh, you are no longer allowed to use moto grip and no longer allowed to get on a knee. John, what are your thoughts? Um, I see why. Um they did this i think it's more from like a spectator perspective for d1 i mean they just want like a faster draw um i'm kind of impartial to it i've i've always thought like if 
you know, you have a good face-off guy and that's how he wins, they're always going to find whatever works best and they're going to abuse it. Um, but I, you know, I think I pray at the house of face-off academy um, and they've been preaching this, that there's no issue. A lot of their guys and their athletes have been using this already. Um, so I don't think we'll see a lot of change. I still think the best face-off guys in the country will be the best face-off guys in the country next year with these new rules. But um, it'll be interesting to see who can adjust and who has the right mindset for moving forward with this. Yeah. I, I don't have a huge, huge uh, opinion. I guess I just, I don't understand why we keep editing the face-off rules. You know, I will, I will say this. I, I, I do think that, uh, that there's going to be, there, there is, I shouldn't say think there will be, I think the potential for more cheating comes back because, you know, it's it's not that hard. You know, when I was playing, we everyone did standing neutral grip because it wasn't uh, no one did moto at that time. I'm that old, but they, uh, you know, the jump and the flick with the finger was a very popular thing to do at that time. The hook, and, yeah, and and you know, I don't, I, I never got called for it, not once, and I, I don't think that anyone I know has been called for it. So I have feeling harder on officials. And there's going to be more coaches going bananas over, you know, he touched the ball with his hand. And uh, I just don't know that it solves any problems. You know, and I didn't think we had a problem with the face-off. I think the past couple of years have actually been really great, to be honest. So, yeah, I mean, we've seen the best um, face-off athletes in history in the college game the last few years uh, with TD Erland, uh, Trevor Baptiste. Um, we've seen face-off guys, you know, be first round picks, be MVPs of their teams. Um, like the face off revolution has happened. Um, so we're kind of living in that post um, emphasis on the face off. Um, I saw some news somewhere that um, some kids in tournaments are kind of hesitating on going standing neutral grip and uh, like big summer tournaments. Have you seen any of that? Well, I've been to a couple of tournaments. I don't. There's no rules saying they have to go standing neutral grip, and so I think the kids are going to what they know, which is mm-hmm. fine. I understand that, but I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Like there was a handful of guys that were doing it at the last tournament I was at up in Delaware, the IL Invitational, and uh, you know, I immediately was like, oh, that you know, that guy's someone I want to talk to because he's not he's willing to lose a faceoff in summer ball, which he should be, in order to get better so he can be a stud come spring ball, which is what he should be doing. I mean, I get, I get summer ball is about recruiting. I get that matters. But at the same time, summer should be about developing your game. It should not be the end-all, be-all. And any coach worth his salt is going to be able to tell, like, hey, this just came out, uh, and this kid's already trying it. Like, he's clearly putting in reps at home. And frankly, the guys who did it were still dominant. Yeah. You know? So it, it was just proof, like, oh, yeah, this kid's actually the best face-off guy in this class. Yeah, that's what I was kind of seeing. Like the, like, I don't, I don't remember where I can't, I can't cite my sources on this, but I saw like coaches pressuring guys to go moto grip on a knee to win faceoffs so they can win tournament games, versus encouraging the kid to go standing neutral grip so he could be seen in front of coaches uh, using the technique he's going to have to use the following year or when he gets to college, and kind of like that uh, battle. Yeah, there was a kid who played for the Rough Riders who's committed to go somewhere. I won't say because I know there's rules around that. I don't know exactly what the rules are. But anyways, he's already committed. He's playing for the Rough Riders. He went to stay in neutral grip, 
and he was still dominating the moto guy and it was just it was just proof that like face-offs about you know technique about training about fast twitch muscles and if you listen to anything from grunland you know you see like it's not it's not the moto grip that drives it it's the technique with the moto grip right it's the technique mm-hmm. with me and and then the repetition to prepare your body for that so you know i think um the best guys will still be the best guys so um you know someone did make a suggestion to me i was just meeting with another coach uh yesterday and he made a suggestion to me that you know essentially what if we did the face off more like the the girls draw so put the ball in between the two sticks shove the sticks together yeah and do it and i was like well you know I don't know we're gonna do that. I said you don't feel like a girl's draw with that. With uh with boys' rules, I just imagine like an onside kick, basically. <laughs> like just the wing guys coming in and just taking out anything in front of them as the ball is like launched in the air. Oh man, just just somebody getting to catch. Yeah, I think they would have to make make some new rules around that. Speaking of, of that, not even in our show notes, but have you seen the MLL and some of the hits that have been delivered this? Uh, oh, man. Yeah, that blindside hit out of the opposite box. That poor guy. Oh, man. They make me cringe. I, I hurt when I hear them. Woo. They are. They yeah, are that the Isaiah Davis Allen hit. That was a that was a big one. The, the, I feel like the number of hits this year have been way higher than in years past. Yeah. I don't know if that's like because it's condensed down to like one. Uh, like a couple, you know, like a week or whatever. And so you just see all the games and you see all the hits, but, or if it's just, there's more hits, but it's, I feel like there's been some, I don't understand how your helmet comes off on a hit. Maybe it's cause I have the biggest head in the world and it's a tight squeeze in my helmet, but like, I've never had a helmet come flying off even close. Well, you know, I, I'll tell you a story. I, uh, I was a high school junior and we were playing good counsel and there's this guy, Josh Ott, and uh, and he was a safety for the Good Council football team. He went to Brown. I think he went to Brown for football. Anyways, we're playing them, and he's closing out on a ride. And I turn and I see him coming, bearing down on me. And I know there's no way I can get out of this, get get out of his way. And he, so I passed the ball off, and then got launched. I got launched about twenty feet um, into the out of bounds territory, and uh, I got up, and I did not have a helmet on. No, I don't know. I don't know why I didn't have a helmet on. Uh, I just got up and was a little woozy, but uh, that was a. Uh, so I, I don't really know how it comes off, but I know it can. Um, yeah, and I was definitely a buckle your chin strap type of guy. So you seem like a buckle your chin strap kind of coach. So I can imagine you playing chin strap buckled. Oh yeah, always, always buckle your chin strap, man. Come on, no, no need for a concussion, you know, because that chin strap's gonna make all the difference. <laughs> Uh, that's funny. No, nah, it's the details, man. Details matter. Um, anyhow, so standing neutral grip, you know, is uh, it, it's here, and I think the face-off guys have taken the best stance, which is like, whatever, it's here. Let's just deal with it and move on. Yeah, the um, who cares? Work harder. Yeah, I like that mentality. Uh, and then we'll wrap up with this news: the IWLCA has who, which by the way, the IWLCA has been a leader for a lot of things this year and something that we should recognize they stepped up they were the first to cancel all their summer events um, in fact they canceled all their events for the whole year um, recruiting events that they were running I think they've really been at the forefront 
of a lot of conversation. You know, the, the women's game had the shot clock before the men's game. Um, and I think they're drivers and a lot of that stuff. And I think I love to read what they're doing because I think they're always on the cutting edge of, of good ideas. Uh, this idea is interesting. I don't know if it's right or not. I'm, I'm kind of on the fence about it, but they, uh, they have proposed to the NCAA that they, the class of 2022, their first date of contact is supposed to be September 1 of this year. And they have proposed that it gets moved to July 1 of 2021. And uh, as a way, I think, to combat the scenario of that, basically, all the 21s who have been late bloomers haven't been talked to since... I don't, I don't even know. When the, I, I didn't look at the NCAA calendar before this, but it's been a dead period all summer. So, you know, probably since last fall. Um, what are your thoughts on this, Miff? Uh, I think... The dates, I think you've talked me into the dates being a little too far out, but I don't, I don't think this is necessarily a good thing for the 22s. I think like, I think early contact's good. Um, well, early contact your junior year is good. I don't think early contact talking to freshmen, sophomores who are 14 or 15 is it good, but you know, you're, you're a junior in high school. I think that's your biggest year academically. Um, talking to schools, getting an idea of where you stand, what you need to do to get done, how your SAT, ACTs need to look, uh, narrowing your college choices. I think that's that's good. And if you have a July twenty first, you're starting to get, or July twenty twenty one, so the July before your senior year, and you're finally hearing from colleges. I does I don't think that gives you enough time to really prepare the way you should or the way they could um, for your college process. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to definitely, it's going to definitely create some interesting situations next summer, right? Because a lot of these schools have prospect days in in the summer and and that's a chance for them to kind of really cement the conversation with whatever juniors they are talking to. They get to the prospect day. They have that conversation. They experience the school and the camp and the whatever. And now they're going to have to go to more of them, maybe because they're like they don't know what their list is. Um, maybe they do. Maybe they don't. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like the July date. I think the July date's too late. I don't mind it being pushed back some. I think I would be better with like a March one date, um, which I know obviously is in the middle of their season, so nobody wants to do that. I I get the why there, but. I mean, maybe you make it March one or May one or something, and you 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 allow it before the summer season starts, that players can talk to coaches so they can have a sense. Like, you know, yeah. if I'm a school senior and I'm thinking I'm going to be I'm a high school junior thinking senior year, and it's like I can go to High Point, Duke, Cornell, uh, Yale, or Delaware. Well, that's a lot of schools in a lot of different areas and have very different experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, let me talk to the coaches a little bit. Let me get a vibe. What's my top three? Which are the ones that I have the which one of the ones I want to visit because, Oh yeah. Lacrosse players don't have unlimited money. You know, like they, they need to despite what everyone might think. <laughs> right. Exactly. And so, you know, you need to make this accessible to, to everybody. And yeah. so you give them a chance to know where they stand. Um, in particular too, like think about this, like sure. East coast guys who live where I live, like, yeah, that'd be easy. You could drive to all those schools, probably not that expensive where you live. You have to get on a plane. No way. You know, I mean, Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot of money. Yeah. And a lot, and I, I don't know. I always felt like that. 
that September weekend, your junior year, is where you, you find out where you stand. Like, am I a D1 guy? Am I D3? Like, what coaches have seen me? Like, where do I put my list together? And it starts then. I think just having it started the summer before your senior year, um, you know, that gives you, what, early early application, early decision deadlines are in three, four months. Right, right. Well, I, just, maybe, I feel like that's, maybe. that's so short. Well, what if they did like December 1st or something? So basically, since these coaches didn't get to see anyone this summer, mm-hmm. like what December 1st, hoping that the uh, coaches get to see them in November, essentially, you know, they the coaches get a chance to make their list. And remember, they know who they know and they can call the people they want. And then, you know, if you don't hear from a coach, you know, well, this is where I stand or you hear from a coach, you know where you stand and, and you can kind of make sense. Yeah, I feel, I feel that's better. And I mean, obviously we're not talking for the, the blue chip guys. You know, this is for more your fringe D one guy, the guy who might fall between the cracks or girl um, yeah. or girl. Um, it's more for those people. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I do, I do think, I think that they're onto something of postponing the date. I, I agree with them in principle that I think it's good to look at moving it back a little bit of time because no one's been seen over the summer. You know, I, I, know, I know a lot of division one coaches probably did not do a ton of 2022 recruiting last summer and they probably watched some games and have some notes, but they don't know exactly who they're looking for. Yeah. And this summer is the time when you, they really nail that down, you know? So, yeah, we'll see. But I think it's a, it's always good to, to look at this stuff. And, you know, I do want to reiterate, I, I, I have been very impressed with the IWLCA and their kind of willingness to be at the forefront of some of these discussions and, and not be afraid of taking a stand. And so I give them a lot of credit for stepping up on this one and bringing it to the forefront and, well, I don't know if I agree with him totally. I I do think that they have a good idea in mind. So that's great. Uh, John, anything else you want to hit today? Or I mean, we got some other pro news, but it looks like we're going to push that back to uh, another day. Well, let's do a let's do a quick, just a quick hit the MLL quickly, and a quick on the PLL. So and- so you want to get about the too long didn't read review, just the show notes. <laughs> Just just the show notes. Yeah, let's just read those three bullet points on each one and we'll quit. <laughs> yeah. So MLL, they just finished up their first week of competition. Have I think you we watched both agreed. Huh? Have you watched a lot of it? I've watched um weekends. So I watched the first weekend. I haven't been able to watch any during the week. Because I'm at uh practice while most of the games are going on. Right. Yeah, I've watched a bit of it. I, I've kind of watched like Probably three quarters of most games. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'll tell you one thing I like about week. What that I'll say the ML has done really well. That ball they have is awesome. It is so visible. I love it. Yeah. Uh, I don't love that it goes flying out of bounds all the time. <laughs> well, on that note, I think uh, 120 degrees outside on the turf. I think that's bad for the game. <laughs> I'm going to say that. Uh, having your quarantine athletes have their first time on you know live TV be in a hot box isn't good yeah no it's not i went for a run the other day that's a little humble brag right there uh it it was very slow in the uh in the heat and good gosh i thought i was gonna i thought i was not to walk home 
And um, I didn't. I was able to manage to run, but I can't imagine trying to do a sprint in that. It's brutal. Yeah. Um, and then I think like Outlaws, Bayhawks, and then it's everyone else. Yeah. I mean, I think Bayhawks are the best team. They just don't have the best faceoff guy. Yeah. I think that's the biggest. I mean, they lost to the Outlaws last night by one. I watched most of that game. Sorry, that was Wednesday, actually, I think. I watched most of that game, and they lost by one because they, they lost. I think they won two faceoffs the whole game. You know, and they they have a good goalie. Phipps is a is a uh, vet. They got the best player in the world, Lyle Thompson. I don't know. I, I like that team a lot. They're good. Yeah. They're really good, and they got Costabile, who's a beast. Mm-hmm. So, but the Outlaws are are. I mean, they beat them. And the story yeah. they beat them. So. And then we got PLL. Uh, they just finished their training camp. It's super funny that the MLL got their season in and started before the PLL. After the PLL made a big stink about beating the MLL to a schedule. Um, <laughs> but we love both leagues here. Yeah, we do. Pro lacrosse is good no matter MLL or PLL, NLL. Pro lacrosse is good. Um, well, I would rather see, I'd rather see one league unified, but I, I like that I'm going to watch both. Yeah. Um, so they just finished up their training camp. They got everyone out there. Um, I think the biggest news coming out of the training camp was Jules um, getting ruled out for the season. I think a lot of people were looking forward to that Redwood team kind of running it back. And he was going to be a huge part. Um, I think him losing that righty attackman with Garnsey and Kavanaugh, it's going to be tough for them to replace. Um, but they have their first game on Sunday versus the defending champs. So. I will definitely be watching that game. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, didn't didn't Tucker uh, Durkin test positive for COVID? Yes. Yeah, he I mean, is. For the Atlas. Yeah. I mean, he's he's one of the better defenders in the in the game. Yeah, I, I mean, Jules is a tough loss. I, I like Jules a lot. I think he's like a good energy guy. And he's, you know, I think when he's sitting opposite Garnsey and Kavanaugh, he can, he's going to draw the three and he can win that matchup a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, and if they don't, if they give him the one, then even better, Kavanaugh and Gardens will crush the matchup. So I think I think it definitely hurts the Redwoods. But I mean, at the end of the day, I think the Redwoods have always been a defensive first team. They're you know basically Notre Dame U, and uh, I don't think that's changed. So you know, I'm, I'm not too worried about them. I think the team we should be talking about right now is the Archers. Arrows up, baby. <laughs> You have not hid your uh, bias for the archers. I love it. Well, what? What? There's no bias. I, <laughs> I we all seems equal. I just happen to, you know, I have an arrow painted on my wall. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I like the. You know, I think the. I think Pinnell playing for the Atlas. I'll be curious to see how that team does. The I, I kind of look. That's like the old guard almost, like Rabel Pinnell. Like, can that team? Take a step forward. One of the best goalies in the in the world, Jack and Cannon. He's a beast. Uh, so I like them a lot to be competitive because of their veteran status. I just don't know if they can out athlete the. I, I just think the Archers are going to score so many goals. Yeah, I mean they they have Schreiber, Holman, Manny, and Amen, and then uh, more guys. I don't. I can't even think of their names right now. We're good. Ambler, uh, McKay, Ian McKay is on there. Yeah, I mean, those guys are all... A highlight of him running a lefty two-man game with Manny. Uh, Yeah, I just don't see how you stop them from scoring 15 a game. And I I like their defense. 
I think their defense is good. And I love I love the Gittleman uh Drew Adams setup. I was gonna say the Gittleman visor. I love that. That was a good look. <laughs> oh man, Gittleman. He had awesome. like the Ricky Williams amber visor in the Archer helmet, and it was just if you haven't seen it, go go see it. It looks good. Bring back visors to lacrosse. I'm all in. You're all in. Oh man. Yeah. There's a local kid in uh in in uh who played one on one and used to wear a visor at practice sometimes. I never had the confidence to run it. I think if you at at the non pro level, you need to be the best kid on the field to rock a visor. He he showed up uh he can't he ended up going to Sonoma State when I was there. He showed up at Sonoma State practice with that on and I kinda I kinda laughed to say, You're gonna wear a visor today? He's like, Yeah. And I was like, All right. And uh and I knew I knew I didn't have to say anything because immediately he was a freshman immediately all the older kids took notice and made it a point to remind him he was not the best player on the field <laughs> so it was pretty funny like adam uh, gittleman all world goalie you had the seal of approval from 101 to wear that visor let's Keep go adam let's go uh awesome man well so we we ended up hitting all the topics a little bit here not too much of the mlo appeal we will come back and do an mlo recap uh next week and John, you and I will get together uh, also to do a PLL mid, kind of midway through review and talk about that um, and go from there. But uh, gosh, man, great to get on with you again. It's been been too long. Any last words for the people? Uh, just enjoy lacrosse. We finally got it back. Um, whether it's summer, uh, tournaments, practices, no matter what you're doing, as long as you got a lacrosse stick in your hand, it's good. Totally. Thanks, man. And for all you out there, please, please, for the love of Pete, wear a mask. We would like to have lacrosse back on a more permanent basis, and we need to take care of our health to do that. In the meantime, we would like for you to stay safe, stay active, make sure you rate, review the podcast, subscribe. We need more subscribers, and uh, we want to hear from you. You can follow us on social at 101 underscore LAX on Instagram at 101 Lacrosse on Twitter and Facebook. For John, I'm Ponchito. Peace out.